This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast from BFM 89.9. I'm Mira Sivasudi. Now, after eight years on the air, we're bringing the bigger pictures, health and living to you live on the ground. A whole day with the experts debunking myths behind heart disease and diabetes, addressing our love affair with food. Of course, George will be there talking about sperm. So join us at BFM's Health and Living Live 2016 on Saturday, 2nd of April. Go on and register at bfm.my slash health. BFM 89.9, good morning. It's now 9.36 and it's time for the SM show. The show that's uh, about what's working and what's not in the stock market. That shocked you, didn't it? <laughs> it did. It always does. I'm sure at Kutin, you just heard Ibrahim Sani, and of course, Julian Ng is also with us. And we're going to talk, uh, and the question we asked today and try to answer is Is uh, the ringgit still undervalued? Julian? Well, you know, we have had a lot of uh, people coming on to make predictions. Some have got a lot of vested interest, some don't. Uh, they're just observers and uh, they want to make a name for themselves trying to predict the ringgit or maybe maybe they have something uh, to sell there some some stock to sell some idea to sell that would improve their their situation but just uh, as a check uh, stock take right where the ringgit is today as of 930 uh, today um, the ringgit actually broke the four ringgit to the US dollar mark trading about 3.966 uh, so far this year the ringgit has gained about seven percent well uh in fact, we were going to have on uh, the SNM show as a, one of our guests, uh, Dr. Suresh, and he didn't turn up, but he did make a prediction the last time he was on, yes, was, he didn't did. he? Yes, he did. And uh, his prediction could have been the reason why he didn't <laughs> want to turn up this morning. <laughs> Dr. No, Suresh, no, 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 if you're no. listening. Yeah, yes, I think the proper term here is forecasting. No, no, prediction he had is a more car a problem. <laughs> so he's sitting in his car now trying <laughs> desperately to start it. Um, and this is not a metaphor for, you know, his um, crystal ball. So, so the magic number that appeared on his crystal ball was what 4.7 if i'm not mistaken well and he um he came on the show way back in january and of course uh, to be fair to dr suresh the situation was extremely different uh, as recent as january 2016 right and when he came on at a time in the beginning of january his prediction was for 480 to 5 ringgit to the us dollar and in the second quarter, 450, he also called uh, for a technical recession, which means uh, two negative growth, two quarters of negative growth for Malaysia. Um, the second quarter, of course, hasn't panned out yet. But the first quarter, I don't think uh, we are, we will hit a kind of negative growth. So, so Dr. Suresh is way off, uh, but not uh, to his falls because there are a lot of other developments that happen between the time and now that cause the ringgit to just tick the other direction to gain strength. Okay, so is the, the ringgit strengthening or is it the US dollar weakening? Actually, the ringgit is strengthening against all basket of currencies, uh, but there's the, there is a, an added bump because of the uh, US dollar weakening. So I guess uh, BNM, uh, Bank Negara have mentioned this many, many times, uh, uh, most starkingly in uh, late uh, last year in November. Uh, our 
governor, Governor Zeti, has said that the uh, rest of the world uh, thinks that uh, the ringgit is undervalued. Uh, in fact, she even uses the words, uh, quote-unquote, significantly undervalued, and that the risks to economic expansions are unlikely to materialise because exports are still strong. Now, very recently, on March 9th, uh, Governor Zeti, her last meeting, mentioned that uh, you know the ringgit will strengthen over time and that she wants to maintain some key interest rate at 3.25%. And uh, I mean, this is the OPR, of course, and the SRR will possibly be maintained at 3.5%. Again, monetary policy but in the place... But the SRR was, uh, was actually reduced uh, yes, uh, but for Bank of Ghana to, uh, to help, to help um, liquidity, to okay. help ease the liquidity situation. Uh, but yeah, Zeti, of course... Um, some may argue that she has a vested interest to say that, of course, the ringgit is undervalued. She, as the governor of Bank Nagara, needs to say, say things to instill confidence into our currency. But uh, it turned out that she was right. Well, OK, can I just get, get some clarification, a kind of 101 question here. Uh, is a weak currency or a, a currency pegged uh, lower against other currencies necessarily a bad thing, especially a country that has a lot of export industries is that a bad thing it's not actually that's why china continues to be the uh, the butt of uh, the us attacks because uh, american uh, uh, policymakers and lawmakers are now accusing china for undervaluing the yuan uh, and this is because it makes things cheaper to come out of china and there is a strategic intent of china to maintain a very low uh, yuan basis but that doesn't mean that it's sustainable and i think this is the reason why china is currently going through all this uh, you know coming of age problems with the economic policies. Well, Chinese, uh, the Chinese yuan or renminbi has effectively strengthened over the years uh, just by virtue of remaining where it is. And so that uh, accusation uh, by the US has technically uh, become untrue, right? Uh, because mm -hmm. yuan has remained very stable. Uh, just to answer your question, Shirad, there, there are pros and cons. Uh, it makes your exports cheaper, but it also makes your imports a lot more expensive. So if you're an importing country for a lot of stuff like, like we are, Shirad, you would uh, you know, sip your daily glass of tipple every evening. That wine is imported, right? Uh, th those, those of you, Ibrahim, if you're going to plan for your children's education, that is effectively imported. The cars that you drive, uh, a lot of parts are imported. The petrol is quoted in the US dollar. A lot of food that we imported, our clothes. We cannot run away from the fact that uh, this is an open economy and prices are subject to what is priced internationally. Right, I want to yeah. issue a technical correction here. <laughs> the tipple happens once a week. <laughs> And it's, it's interesting that you didn't use that example on me. Yeah. Thank you, Jess. Uh, but of course, the core reason here is that it affects consumer spending. Um, imagine your MacBook that would cost you 3,100 ringgit uh, just January 1st last year. It co now costs you 1,000 ringgit more. Uh, and yeah. this is the thing. Because, but your earnings that didn't increase so you know, by that thing. quantum, right? Here's the thing, right? Um, the, the Apple iPhone... Um, was we were complaining that it was very very expensive after the ringgit crash, right? Now that the ringgit has strengthened to about th uh, three ninety nine or four to the US dollar, we are going whoopee. You know, it's now a lot cheaper. But don't you think it's a matter of psychology because four ringgit is still so much more expensive than the three fifty or three thirty it used to trade it, and and the Apple phone used to be so much cheaper. Okay, so what is the fair value? of the ringgit. I mean, what is it that would make it a reasonable level, uh, you know, to be at? Well, you know, uh, recently, uh, Mark Mobius, 
that legendary investor from Franklin Templeton, who was very, very early investing in the emerging markets, including Malaysia, Thailand, and so on. He attended a conference on March 15 and said that the ringgit was value, undervalued to the extent of 28%. And if you take uh, the ringgit at that date uh, till what he's talking about, uh, this would push... Uh, will put a ringgit value of about three to the US dollar. That's a huge strengthening. Um, of course, there are theoretical um, explanations of how people arrive at fair valuation of the ringgit. I guess uh, we'll cover that after the break. Okay, uh, and coming up after the break in just a few minutes, uh, more on that. BFM 89.9. You're still here. Good. Now, if you're listening to this podcast while on the treadmill, you're already off to a good start. If you're not, don't forget to join us at BFM's Health and Living Live 2016 on the 2nd of April. Find out how you can live a better, healthier life. Go on and register at bfm.my slash health. BFM 89.9, you're listening to the S&M Show. And Sherrod couldn't just get on a jolt there. Also, <laughs> Julian and Ibra. I don't know what it is I expected. I know it's coming, but I still, I'd still jump. Okay, where did we leave the ringgit? The last time we talked about the ringgit, it was for the aspirations that it, in a Mark Mobius is saying it should be three. It's a huge journey to make. Yeah, I think you we left off where you became very philosophical in asking how <laughs> people actually value the ringgit. I, I don't think there is a person actually who sits down, actually sits down and calculates calculate real value of currencies, right? It's just something that happens in real life. Uh, people just making bets about where currencies would go. And, and you know, it's not just one currency. It's uh, the idea of cross-currencies as well. One currency against another is not just the ringgit against the US dollar. It's the ringgit against the Aussie, against the sterling, against the Japanese yen, right? So, But there is a theoretical foundation to how currencies are value have, or ought have, to be yeah. valued right that's okay. right so some currencies are pegged some currencies are free floating some float within a particular bandwidth the ringgit is now free floating yeah uh, somewhat. But, yeah, somewhat. Somewhat. Oh, somewhat's mm-hmm. free floating. So, so to, to fall back on the core issue here, there are some determinants on exchange rates uh, and, and, and we'll go through some of them. Uh, the first one being the differentials in inflation. And that means, th- uh, that yeah. means uh, <laughs> the country with a higher inflation will have a lower uh, exchange rate against the country with low inflation. So low inflation is good, high inflation is technically bad. Inflation um, debases the value of your currency. And that's why US now is going through some tough time because they can't get the inflation numbers up. Uh, They're trying their magic number uh, 2.0% of inflation rate. That has not happened. Uh, So... Uh, this is the kind of things that not just U.S. I think uh, I think Japan as well, if I'm not mistaken, right? This is uh, very theoretical, though, because yeah. uh, the the U.S. wants to have high inflation today, which is supposed to debase your currency, right? But the the U.S. dollar has uh, strengthened very much over the last year or so in 2015, in spite of the fact that they had they were struggling to keep inflation upwards. So the, the practical. Uh, what happens in practice is very different from uh, theoretical understandings. But theoretical understandings are helpful. I say this yeah. as a producer of a show on theory <laughs> and, and yeah. Yeah, social exactly. theory and philosophy. But okay, so the second is differentials in interest rates. We had differentials in inflation. We have differentials in interest rates. Yeah, of course, interest rates are all highly correlated. Uh, in fact, by manipulating interest rates, uh, banks like uh, central banks like Bank Nagara, Bank of Japan, uh, the FOMC uh, from the Federal Reserve in the US, they exist 
exert a significant influence over both inflation and exchange rates. And by changing these kind of interest rates, uh, this kind of uh, changes the currency values Ibrahim, as well. You you speak as you you speak in such high level English, like as though it was coming out of an investment website. <laughs> yes, so, that's right. Um, I I have to <laughs> investopedia. <laughs> I have to just explain that that means uh, that means what this Ibrahim <laughs> is trying to say <laughs> is um, if you have higher interest rates, uh, you know your currency becomes more attractive, right? Uh, if you have low interest rate and you invest in the currency, uh, you get less returns, so your currency becomes less attractive. So um, playing around with interest rates by the central banks can have an effect of weakening or strengthening the, ring, uh, the, the currency, whatever currency it is. Right. Okay. What about the economy? Does the, in, uh, the, the health of your economy, does that make you... Uh, does make does it make your currency more attractive? Uh, in a way, the utility of the money is important as well. So we have this thing called the money supply. It's measured by the M1, M2, M3 kind of money supply. And this basically talks about the so-called current accounts uh, of the country. Now, current account is not, it's not just like the current account that you have with your local bank. That's not the current account that I'm talking about. We're talking about the nation's current account uh, surplus and deficits. Uh, and this is where it plays a very important role. So Malaysia, for instance... That means, uh, okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> go on. Please, Jules. Yeah. Well, you know, deficits Deficits means you've got to pay back, right? At some point, you're, you're owing somebody something. And when you repay, uh, you're, it has the effect of actually weakening your currency uh, when it's time to repay. So an accumulation of deficit is not good news for your currency. Okay, is a lot of our debt, public debt or private debt, denominated in US dollars? I mean, is that our problem? You know, yeah, I, I think uh, in the whole of last year, there were a few factors that, uh, that set us back um, the debt, the issue of debt, uh, the issue of 1MDB. You see, there, there are X factors in valuation of currency as well. Uh, confidence. Confidence is so important in the value of currency. We saw that uh, apart from the economic and technical and fundamental factors in 1997, uh, there was loss of confidence in the Asian economies uh, and with that set of the Asian financial crisis. Uh, one thing led to another and you bring about a self-fulfilling prophecy. Hey, this currency and this country is bad. You know, let's sell the currency. You tell from one trader to another and it spreads around. Uh, that's when you have a loss of confidence. And last year for Malaysia, there was that big uh, gulp out of Malaysia's confidence, right? Just, just taking it out of Malaysia, the 1MDB issue, the political issue, uh, the oil issue, for instance, uh, which uh, if you think about it theoretically, lower oil prices will uh, impact our finances negatively. And that's why uh, the ringgit was hit last year. A lot of this bad news uh, already kitchen sinked for last year. And this year is um, more than anything else a year of the lack of bad news rather than an improvement of things, right? Right. I mean, Ibrahim, do you think the bad press that we've had over the last 12 months really affects, you know, these hard-nosed uh, investors around the world, people, you know, pushing, you know, billions of dollars around? Do you think they really look, get the, the, affected? The way I look at things uh, would be on facts, right? Uh, on, on the real numbers right now. We saw PMI numbers actually picking up, uh, boosting confidence levels uh, right now. It's about 50, showing a significant improve of uh, positive sentiment. Uh, we saw uh, the ringgit, uh, or we're seeing the ringgit actually strengthening, uh, going back to its uh, 
so-called perceived real value. Uh, money supply is there as well. Uh, suku is being taken up, taken up uh, quite positively in Indonesia. Malaysia might issue a sovereign suku based on our conversation with uh, a market analyst uh, just a few minutes ago. Uh, so I guess investors are not that much concerned. I think political risk right now has been mitigated. And I think, uh, generally speaking, we are heading for a better kind of uh, environment. Uh, not to mention the oil price is rallying as well. So yeah. that may help the country as well. Um, I mean, you know, you at the start of the year, that's why I say uh, Dr. Suresh is not to be blamed because there's a very different world from what we experienced in January. We still yeah. need but Julian, I think you're defending Suresh a bit too much because maybe, maybe. What, what's a crystal ball look, if not... Look, if in January, people were talking about oil prices of $10, $20 per barrel, oil prices are double of that today. Right, forty dollars, and that helped a lot. That helped improve sentiment a lot. Um, the U.S. dollar was at its strength, uh, peak of its strength uh, at the start of the year, but th- those actions by the Fed, uh, the hesitance and the pause of raising interest rates, uh, um, turned investor sentiment, and investors sold down the U.S. dollar, and that gave a respite to all the regional currencies. Okay, quick question: What's worse, a weak ring- ringgit or a volatile ringgit? I think a volatile ringgit is a lot worse. Then I'll answer weak ringgit. So let's see who's right. <laughs> well, I, I'm not. I'm not about to make a judgment. I'm just asking a serious question here. No, no. You know, I e- think volatility is a big problem. Uh, um, a lot of these companies and co- governments have a tough time budgeting for expenses and revenue. Uh, remember, we had one grill, uh, a company, Instagram. Uh, sorry, Instacom, uh, who is now called um, <laughs> Vivocom. <laughs> Instacom. <laughs> Taken over they, by Facebook. They, they had to diversify their business altogether because of the inability for them to manage their cash flow. Uh, perception uh, so volatility does affect corporates so i guess in this sense the ringgit which affects everything that we know of in this country at least uh, will be a problematic one so volatility is a big problem thank you very much you've been listening to the snm show the news is at 10 a.m uh, and it's coming up very soon but here's a ub40 with red red wine and if you want to catch ub40 live in kuala lumpur and ali campbell astro and mickey virtue they will all be performing at kl live on wednesday Wednesday, the 30th of March. Tickets are available at ticketpro.com.my. That's ticketpro.com.my. This is BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.